Hey everybody, welcome to the Ron Pertee Show this week. Amazing guest Josh Stifter is here, uh, the director of The Good Exorcist and the upcoming Greywoods plot. We're going to be talking to him about filmmaking and working on Rebel Without a Crew with Robert Rodriguez, the reality show that was put out from the Al Ray Network. Great conversation, and it's a lot of fun, and I hope everyone enjoys it. I want to thank everybody who continues to, pr to support the show by watching. Uh, if you want to go down in the in the description, uh, there's all sorts of ways to support. You can go to ronaswebsite.com to buy t-shirts. You can go to paypal.me forward slash Ronco Productions to help support the show, and there's all sorts of social media links. And don't forget to support Josh as well. I got a chance to see uh, uh, Greywood's plot, and it's um, it's a testament to indie filmmaking. It's amazing, and when it does come out, you need to see it. Uh, I can't uh, stress that enough. Uh, and uh, it was a, it was a great chat, and uh, we will be with Josh in just a minute after this break. So we'll talk to you in a second. Are you a horror fan? Do you like wearing your fandom on your shirt and showing the entire world? Then head over to FrightRags.com and get all sorts of cool memorabilia and t-shirts to show the world that you are a true horror fan. From enamel pins to collectible cards, socks, and t-shirts with your favorite horror icons on them. Head over to FrightRags.com and when checking out, use promo code PERT10. That's P as in Peter. You are T-E-E-10 and save 10% on your order today. Hey, everybody, and we're back. Uh, my guest at this time was part of the Rebel Without a Crew TV series with that one guy who did that mariachi movie. I don't know. He's, he, he never did anything after that. But uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, he's got a new movie coming out uh, soon. It's, it's in the process. It's in the festivals, trying to at least. But he's got a new one out on Troma Now, uh, the, the, the Troma streaming service. Ladies and gentlemen, Josh Stifter. Josh, uh, I want to thank you so much for being... That's just you. We don't want just you. We want both of us on here so we can have a conversation. There we go. Thank you so much for being on the program. Yeah, man, this is awesome. I love it. Uh, now, the let's get uh, let's get the Rebel Without a Crew stuff out of the way because I'm sure, sure you've talked about it a million times. Um, you are uh, used to making films on a small budget, so going into this, how did that change at all? You know, it really didn't change at all. Besides the fact that I've always, in the past, made you know animations with no budget. I made short films with no budget. I've done. Uh, professionally worked in animation and film for about 10 years where I've always had to compromise and work with no budget. So going into Rebel, I was like, okay, I can do this. The no budget is easy. The hard part is knowing that everyone's going to see every failure that comes with doing something with a no budget. So I constantly had to sort of be self-aware of the fact that, okay, it's okay that you look like an idiot right now. Everyone knows how difficult it is to make something with no budget. Um, and, and the truth is, is we had less of a budget than was kind of let on. Because with no budget movies, often you're able to use what you have a lot more. You have your community. You have friends in the area. You have um, you know, your equipment. All of that stuff. We had to rent it. We had to work in a, in Austin, Texas, where I had only been once before. I knew no one there. I knew no, I had no idea what kind of actors I was going to get. I didn't know a damn thing. So going into that, I had to also go, you're going to be working out of your comfort zone. Just embrace all of the weirdness that's going to come with it. And that was really helpful. That's the biggest thing I learned is no matter where you are, no matter what you're working with, if you compromise and adapt you can get something made. Yeah, no matter where you are, no matter where you, where, what was the quote, no matter where you go, there you are. 
Let's, let's, right. Let's throw some Buckaroo Banzai in this in this bastard. Uh, That's exactly what it is, though. If you if you're there, if you're living in the moment, and you're wherever you are. That's where you are, and you accept that. It just makes everything so much easier. I know exactly how you feel because I'll be honest with people. I don't know how much more I'm going to be making movies because this show is starting to kind of take off, and I want to focus. When, yeah. you, when you find something good and you're happy with it, you want to go full bore on it. But uh, I'm I'm 100% with you. I watched that clip uh, of you hiring, trying to hire the guy. Where you're like, I've never done this before. I always cast my friends. Yeah, 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 and I, I totally know what that's like because when you meet somebody for the first time that you want to put in something that you're making, and it's so weird, and like you don't know where they're okay with what, like if you have something um, that is a little may seem a little extreme to you, might not be extreme to them, so they're okay with it, but you feel weird asking them to do something that might be a little out of their comfort zone. Oh my god, all the time, and with friends. I don't have that. Like, Daniel and I have been best friends since kindergarten. Like, we met each other in kindergarten. And in Greywood's plot, the dude that plays Miles, his name's Keith Radical, we've been friends since I was literally 13 days old. Like, I met him in the hospital the day he was born, and I was 13 days old. And we've just grown up together. So I have no fear of being like, hey, dude, drop your clothes. You're coming out of this tent. Like, we're going to do something crazy. Like I, But with, with a stranger knowing that I was going to be casting... Um, avery in the good exorcist and in the script i'd written like three scenes where the dude is in his underwear or talking about being in his underwear i was like this is going to be so awkward asking a stranger to get in their underwear and it wasn't like avery made it amazing and i think that's the fact like i didn't cast based on their line readings or their you know physical appearance because even even uh stanley in the good exorcist was supposed to be like more dumpy and sort of like a young jack black i think that's what i even wrote in the script like it in in parentheses i wrote like a young jack black and avery is like handsome and well built like he's he's not that character but i started talking to him and i was just like oh my god this guy needs to be on my set i can rewrite for this guy because he's going to give it his all he is so passionate and cares so much about being in this movie and that was the that was the smartest move I ever made was casting not based on line reading, not based on whether or not they were the exact age I needed or the exact look. Instead, casting based on these people seem to care about being in my movie. I'm going to take that person who's going to have a good time and understands the kind of movie I'm making. Well, plus, I mean, a lot of the times when you hear about the the really good casting, it has nothing to do with uh, how well they read the script. It's like the kind of person they are and how a lot of times a good director will sit there and they'll talk to the person and they'll have a conversation. They won't, you know, they won't audition people. Uh, I don't think, I think Lance Henriksen doesn't audition for anyone anymore. He just kind of like has a conversation with people and they go by that. But it's yeah. it's Lance frickin' Henri- Henriksen. I mean, what do you get? What do you get? You you know what he can do. But the concept still applies, I think, even for like lesser knowns. Give it an hour of conversation and see if you guys are like copacetic. If you can work together and you understand each other. Like Avery showed up the day after we did casting. I was like, you know, on this reality show, I hadn't really talked to anyone outside of the movie making of it all. All we had done is lived in this world for a week of reality tv and this film so i invited him to come out and hang out and and dude showed up and like calmed me down and was totally cool and that that really made a huge difference in finishing the movie and i think that's a big part of indie filmmaking is knowing that it's not 
it's not like a studio project. You need those moments of brevity and breath and and just chilling out a little bit. And you need to take it you could you need to take it seriously, but you also need to understand what you're making as you make it. So many indie film projects I work on, it's like they're acting like they're making a big studio movie instead of being honest that we're making independent films and we need to change stuff up we don't need to do things by the rules we have to break the rules a lot and you know i mean robert talks about that in the in in rebel without a crew the book or you know or in the 10 minute film schools of el mariachi some of the stuff he did is extremely illegal right (laughs) as far as filmmaking goes and he's breaking rules but he's not making a studio movie at that time and we're still not doing it now the concept still applies now safety is important but also you know, go do some, do do some crazy stuff. Well, it's like the, the the trauma rules. You know, no harm to people or or belongings. You know, and that's a nice segue into the Good Exorcist being on trauma now. <laughs> Thanks, Uncle Lloyd. Um, yeah. And so now uh, they are. I I know because I've submitted stuff to trauma now, and it, it's they always say you're going to be waiting a long time to find out. Yeah. How long did you have to wait about with Good Exorcist? Well, I got to kind of circumvent some of the like watching and what's happening because of the fact that i was working for lloyd at the time um i did some animation for his new movie and i did some visual effects as well which could hurry uh, up and come out anytime you know yeah right (laughs) i know man my animation i think there's some of my of the animation from that movie in the demo reel i'm really in my demo reel i'm really excited about that to drop because people seem to like my little little couple minutes of cartoon but um so I was doing that, and I was working with John Brennan on some stuff. So I kind of had an in. And that's to that's trauma. Joe Bob's so they saw uh, that's Joe Bob's music uh, guy now. Yeah, yeah. So John Brennan is doing the, the theme song for Joe Bob and does a bunch of music for it. And he started at Troma. He worked there for like five years, and he's doing a ton of stuff now. That dude is crushing the game. He's doing such a good job, um, and I'm super excited to see what what John does next. Um, but yeah, so I. I didn't wait very long, but also, I mean, and I also had movies play at Trauma Dance mm-hmm. over the years, so I've been involved with Trauma for a long time. I mean, I grew up, I was like eight when I went into a mom and pop movie rental place, and I was renting like Critters and all of these other like sort of B-monster movies, and the dude behind the counter was just like, I, in my mind, he's like the coolest dude ever but in reality he was probably like a 16 year old nerdy guy who just liked weird horror movies but my eight-year-old self was just like this guy is the best dude in the world and he was like hey man i saw you like these b schlock horror movies don't tell your parents about this one but check it out and he gave me toxic avenger oh and that just like that changed my life like i was like oh my god this is like perfect comic like like cartoony campy crappy but awesome and vulgar and i just was in that's when i was sold i think the biggest misconception about trauma is that it's a horror horror movie company yes it's 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 not at all and that's sort of where i'm uh, as a filmmaker i've struggled too is a lot of people hear the good exorcist and they think exorcist horror movie where i'm not making horror movies i don't even consider graywood's plot a horror movie it's a dark comedy almost i would say i would say the good exorcist is a is a cheesy comedy with horror like respect for the horror community. it's horror adjacent and, and yeah it's horror adjacent and gray woods plot is more like a, a horror comedy with or like a dark comedy with 
horror elements. Right, yeah, but, exactly, exactly. And that's just, I mean, it's, uh, everybody, everybody's so worried about labels at this point, you know, and, and, and it's like, now, if, if you say the word indie, automatically people think horror films. Yes. They either think horror films, they think three things. They think horror films, they think garbage, or they think indie, which isn't a $5 million movies, which isn't indie to me at all, but right. like, you know, I love I love movies like Paddleton to death. I thought Paddleton was awesome, but that's a that's a five million dollar movie. We're not talking about an indie movie. I mean, it's Ray a, Romano's a, in it for crying out loud. Exactly, but that's what people think of when I say to my mom, you know, that the term indie movie, she doesn't think of. She thinks of Garden State or something. I, you know, she thinks <sighs> of like things that aren't indie. It, they're not like truly independent, like what. You know, some of us are trying to do out there making these movies for, you know, a couple grand and learning how to do everything ourselves. Right. No, it's it's exactly it's one of those things where you just kind of have to, you know, uh, forgive people a little bit, you know, uh, yeah. when, and, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to get too in, into it because I have to be apolitical on this. But Garden State. Mm. when that when that movie first came out i was like wow this really speaks to me and then i watched it again and again and i'm like wow this is some pretentious bs <laughs> yeah although there is there's a couple of shots in that movie that still make me chuckle like that one where he gets out of his car and he starts to walk off and the gas pump yes. is still like sitting in the thing there's moments yeah but yeah it's that's it's just there is this like indie pretentiousness that people think they don't when they think of indie they think of a vibe which is essentially pretentious versus you know not having a studio backing you not having thanks duplass actors. brothers yeah well in fact um with graywood's plot there was i have i've over the years gained connections where i could have got some relatively big names in the movie and i even wrote a scene where when the dudes are driving they stop at a gas station and i was going to get like a name actor to do it that, but that literally would go against the point of this movie, which is, like, you have to make your own thing. You have to become the thing that you're chasing. The, the right. dream of being an independent filmmaker, throwing something like that in, kind of kills the vibe of the spirit of this movie. Not that there's anything wrong with doing that, but this movie did not need that, and I, I just couldn't do it. I agree 100%. And also, in that scene, did they tell you not to go playing around in uh, people's properties, and did a guy with a really big head try to clean your van, and was it your little... <laughs> I mean that would be that would be yeah that'd be a nice little 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 nod I suppose and then yeah, and then while you're shooting you're just smoking cigars and drinking Dr smoking, Pepper smoking yeah. cigars and drinking yeah, Dr Pepper yeah uh, so real quick uh, Greywood's plot is uh, it's out there for festivals um, but let's watch actually, uh, oh yeah go ahead I've actually disconnected from the festival circuit right now because of what happened what's happening with COVID right now mm -hmm. and 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 the, the, me trying to you know tell people it's okay to social distance i've decided to take a new model and uh we played at like five or six festivals and it was a lot of fun but now um what we're gonna do daniel and i the guy who plays doug graywoods in the movie he's also the producer and co-writer on the movie and, and the dude who does it i do everything with um he he and i decided what we're gonna do is do a live screening on may 31st and we're gonna screen the movie People can people can rent uh, rent the movie essentially or come to the screening. They'll get sent a link when they purchase a ticket for a couple dollars. We're still figuring out what the cost is going to be, but it'll be a couple dollars. You'll get sent a link the day of, and you can watch it along with us on this private link. 
Um, and then Daniel and I are going to do a live Q&A where we're going to, as the movie is screening, we're going to watch the YouTube chat and the and Twitter and grab our favorite questions and do a live Q&A with everyone. That's so a different, a different weird model, but we'll have a lot of fun with it and see you know, if it, if it works. And maybe it's something that more people can try to do in the future. And then we're going to try to release the movie in July. So Well, there you go. Now, let's cut to the trailer here for people who don't know about Greywood's plot. So, uh, anything you want to set up before I show it? Uh, no, this is a, it's a black and white you know, comedy horror movie about two friends who go in the woods after receiving a tape uh, about a monster. And they're, they're going to try to hunt down this monster. All right, well, here's the trailer for Greywood's plot. We go out there, we see what we can find, and we do a little filming. I'd love to hear more about your, uh, your little dog movie. Oh, dude, seems off to me. We're cryptozoologists. We should want things to be off. Thank you for being such an impressive boy. Well, there you go, everybody. That was the trailer for Greywood's plot. Uh, unfortunately, if you're watching this, it's after May 31st, but I'll be sure to tell everybody beforehand uh, on Twitter yeah. and so forth. That's uh, I will definitely promote the hell out of it. That was um, why the, why the, the choice to shoot it in black and white. So when we originally started filming it a handful of years ago, I got to a certain point where I had made all these short films. I'd worked in the industry. I had worked on animation. I worked with Kevin Smith, Lloyd Kaufman. I had all of this stuff. And I was just like, the only thing on my bucket list was to make a feature film. That was it. And that somehow I hadn't done it, and I was turning 30. So I just decided for my 30th or 31st birthday, I was like, you know what? Screw this. We're going to go make a movie. So me, Daniel, Keith, and Strauss went out in the woods and started shooting this thing. It wasn't originally black and white. I was originally, or it was originally about a guy who turns another dude into a Spider-Man and all this different stuff. But uh, we basically failed miserably at it. And so then after doing The Good Exorcist, I came back to this footage and I started looking at it. And I was like, man, you know, we didn't finish the movie, but we have some gorgeous shots. And this concept is really good. This weird Frankenstein-y Island of Dr. Moreau style movie. I just I love the concept so much. And I called Daniel and I was like, dude, we got to make this movie. I'm writing it right now. So I sat down and started writing it and put it together. And I don't we were looking at the footage and we were talking about the film in general and also looking at it daniel and i both had kids and like we had really great shots of us but we had aged you know two years with kids which is like the equivalent of aging five years you know so we had just bags under our eyes and we were starting to look older and i was like dude what if we what if we just tried it in black and white let's look at the footage and see how it looks and like instantly he was like 
why didn't why didn't we do that in the first place? This movie's a black and white movie. Like we're making a reference to uh, terror is a man and all of the island Doctor Moreau, all these old black and white concepts. Right. Let's just own it. Let's embrace it. And so we ended up we actually shot it in color, um, but the monitor was always in black and white, so I could see what it looked like in black and white. So I never saw the movie in color, which is always interesting to go back and look at it in color and try to recolor shots because it. It's, it looks really good. It's a beautiful movie when it's in color, but it's just it needed to be black and white. Just don't give it to Ted Turner. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Do not give it to Ted Turner. Now, there's something that um, uh, I've always, I wanted to know here because uh, in the because I've seen the movie, folks. So, ha <laughs> ha. Um, there's a. It, it says that you shot it, but there are sequences you're in that are a little like, how in the hell did you pull that off if you were shooting it? Yeah, man, it was crazy. So I luckily, as we filmed this, Daniel and Keith and Strauss got really good at sort of dissecting my awful storyboards, like stick figures drawn in the moment. I didn't do a whole lot of storyboarding in advance. A lot of times it was like, okay, here's what our here's what the woods look like right now here's the six shots we need, you know, like that sort of concept. And they got good at kind of finding the shots. But um, a, a lot of the shots I literally filmed myself. Like, I'm the only one there. I set up the camera. I was running the camera to get motion. I was, like, pulling on fish line to have the camera come towards me. And I just I had the autofocus on my Sony A6300 set. So And that camera has amazing autofocus. Auto so I was just getting the shots myself. Anything you see of me in my basement, I there was no one there while I filmed that. Um, the shot of me... Uh, in the bathroom at the beginning of the movie doing the suicide that was just me i just filmed that on a sunday morning or sunday evening while my family was gone so i set up the camera i had a you guys you guys go to, you guys go to church i'm gonna go kill myself in the bathroom exactly that yeah. is that's like literally what was happening um and and daniel and strauss got really good at yeah just kind of understanding what the style and tone of it was the fact that we did it over such a long period they were able to watch sequences and really got a feel for the the kind of camera angles i like the way i like to shoot um but some sometimes people overthink the shot and don't just think about it in a simple way where they're like we need this crazy angle or we need this stuff i'm like what's the what's the emotion I'm supposed to be looking scared. Let's get a low angle so we can get that weird up the nose shot of me looking terrified. It's that fucking simple sometimes. Right. Or that or that shot of you know like a shot where um I'm supposed to look terrified. Let's get the highest angle we can get so I look like I'm very small. I'm and already I'm small, so it's even easier to make me look pathetic and little. And that's we tried to really use that and get those those proper angles. Um but you know there's I think people people underestimate a good camera move and then a lot of stagnant still shots. If you can if you can set people up for this is a beautiful shot with the camera moving on on a track or whatever, if you if you then lock it down for the next 10 shots, people don't notice. So a lot of times we did just lock it down or I you know, I'd have them lock it down and set it up on me and then I would have motion on them because I could run the camera a little better. So that was a that was a big part of it was just all of us kind of learning and compromising a shot but remembering to get the dope shots as well. Right, it's all about duct tape and fishing line. 
Exactly. Oh my god, it really is. That's everything. I had duct tape and fishing line and a tripod with wheels and my kids' Hot Wheels tracks to get like three of the shots so that I could be in my basement just getting this like fun motion of the camera and that's that's all it took. And uh, I, there's little things in there that I'm not going to give away, but uh, uh, the, the DVD and the computer keyboard bit in the beginning, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Is some of the funniest shit because that's ex- <laughs> that's exactly what would happen. And the note at the bottom of the note, put it on input two. Input yeah, two. I've literally. Oh my god, man, we've all done that. Yes, it's like you got to explain to mom how to run the DVD player. Yes. Um, yeah, that I I really enjoyed that little sequence with the doing the little DVD moment. And the cool thing is, is that footage at the I call it like the Beetlejuice scene because he she, he makes the Beetlejuice reference. Right. But that like that video that he's making, that's actual Super 8 footage that I I filmed my son and like around my house because I wanted to test Super 8. I've never used Super 8 before. So I was like, I, I got a roll of it. I learned how to use it. I sent it in, got it developed. And I just did that for fun. I made this little trailer about a killer ventriloquist dummy with it. But I had filmed other random shots around the house. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to use those. So that's my son playing a little me for the video and and just random shots around my house. And that spider shot was actually something I filmed back when it was supposed to be he gets turned into a Spider-Man. And I'm like, oh, this will be a fun little reference to put in the beginning of the movie. Um and he, like, ironically says, what does a spider have to do with anything? Which is, like, if you know the backstory, is ironically hilarious because it is like, what well, did a spider have to do with anything? Um, so, yeah. so Saving New York, I guess. Yep. <laughs> That's about, yeah. And, well, and it's funny because the movie did really, really adapt. It originally started out more about fear. And I have arachnophobia. I, like, I've always had arachnophobia since I was a little kid. And I learned to get over that by actually collecting spiders like i would go in the backyard and find spiders and i just i had to teach myself to get over it because i couldn't sleep at night i was so terrified as a kid so my dad would like send me out with a jar and he'd be like go find a wolf spider there's one there's they're in the backyard so i'd go find them and originally when i made this movie that's what i wanted it to be about that fear of failure and overcoming it in the most messed up way ever and then the movie changed into being this weird movie about friendship that i really like and it says a lot about uh, how I feel about like the divorce of a friendship and and finding new friends <laughs> in a messed up way, but it, it, there's a lot to. When that. you see the um, movie, you'll know what he's talking about, and you too will cringe. <laughs> you, it won't just yeah. be me going, "Ooh, that's not mm, okay." But uh, um, yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that I'm glad that resonated with you. That moment is always fun to watch with an audience because uh, you know it starts out pretty dark and pretty melancholy in the first few moments of the movie and you know with the song playing and seeing the credits and whatever so when that scene strikes and people start to like slowly chuckle and get that they can relax a little bit during the movie i always enjoy that part yeah it's 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 a great movie uh obviously this is coming out after may 31st but it's going to be coming out in july you can catch the movie then be sure to follow him at josh stifter or john stamter whatever either <laughs> yeah whatever you we're want. okay with that but uh, and then it's flushstudios.com or josh stifter.com okay yep any of those places are great places to find me yeah the movie will hopefully be out in july we're still figuring out distribution and how we want to do it but we're living in a weird era for distribution and for getting your movie seen and i learned a lot from the good exorcist and a lot of that i'm hoping to 
test with Greywood's plot. And then I have a Patreon that I run that I'm hoping to to do more explanation and be very candid and honest about how distribution works, what I've learned from these movies, and how um, how the new indie market is kind of changing. So that's what my, my year for Patreon is going to be a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, so, and that's patreon.com slash flush studio. There you go, everybody. Josh, it's been a right pleasure on. having you on. We'll be right back. This episode of the Ron Partee Show is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash Ron Show. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So head over to audibletrial.com forward slash Ron Show today. Well, that was a lot of fun, everybody. I want to thank Josh for being here. I want to thank you for watching. Don't forget all the links are in the description below. Head to ronaswebsite.com if you want to watch old episodes, if you want to buy a cool Ronco, Ronco Productions t-shirt. It, it's, every, every little bit supports the, supports the show. Uh, and uh, I really love that trailer, and I hope you loved it, and I hope you check check out Greywood's plot when it does come out in July, uh, or maybe you've already seen it with on the May 31st screening. I'm not sure, but uh, I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of cool bits in there, and uh, don't forget to check him out at Flush uh, at Josh Stifter on uh, on Twitter, uh, and, uh, FlushStudios.com, JoshStifter.com, all sorts of places to go. Uh, there's so much stuff I could talk about, so much, but. Uh, I love all of you for watching. Thanks, Burger Wolf and all the ships at sea. We'll see you next week.